Hello, Polyam fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hello and welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off. In the week since our last discussion, the United States and many parts of the world have been coming together to protest in hopes for some real change and much needed change in our lives. Many demonstrations have been and still are in place, standing as testimony that black lives matter and that demonstrators are speaking out loudly about the unjust abuse from the enforcement division of our society. It's absolutely heartbreaking that we still have to fight this so hard since we did it over half a century ago, but it's wonderful to see so many people rallying together to stand for and with each other for a common good. The world is on the verge of change, and it's going to happen in a big way. This movement is giving voice to those who previously went unheard, and that voice is powerful. Incredibly powerful. Last I saw, every state in the U.S. was home to demonstrations, and people in nearly 20 countries have joined the cause for this movement to support equality for people of color and for black people specifically who have been historically muted and treated as lessers. Like so many people across the globe, I'm hopeful this movement brings us all closer in terms of equality and helps bridge that gap to eliminate racism and promote the ideal that we are all one human race. This is totally a time for change. Long past time, actually. This movement, though difficult for so many, is vital for our growth as people. So many people are working to help make this change, from the demonstrators in the crowds, to the educators in our communities, the people petitioning our government offices, those who are documenting what the established media doesn't, and even the people having open discussion or debates in the corners of the communities, everyone is making a difference. This change is challenging the way people think, challenging tradition and causing a need for open, critical thinking. This isn't an easy movement, quite the contrary. It's a struggle. And we, the people, are struggling in many ways, which is causing discomfort in friendships, family ties, communally, and socially. As much as we are struggling, though, this is all a good thing. Change for the sake of growth is seldom easy, but we're going to grow. It's necessary. This makes me think of butterflies, actually. When the caterpillar transitions from one stage of its life to the next and creates its cocoon, it has to go through an entire breakdown of what it once was in order to come out of the cocoon as an entirely different creature, far different than what it was. The growth period for this little creature has got to be quite the process, and even breaking out of the cocoon is a struggle for it ripping open the protective shell and squeezing out of it, (laughs) only to come out as a whole new thing, full of vibrant new colors and ready to reach new heights. We all have our cocoon moments, and due in large to our culture's current time of transition, we have decided today to take the time to discuss change. Yeah, we have. To understand change a little bit, we're going to reference the... 2013 article on lifehacker.com called Why You're So Afraid of Change by Adam Dacus. For our purposes, let's define change as a modification to a person's environment, situation, or physical and mental condition that results in circumstances that challenge their existing paradigms. 
What our definition implies is that humans have a tendency to define how their world is supposed to work, whether something happens in our personal world or to our own being that is inconsistent with the way we feel the world should be, we encounter change. I think of change as any shift from the current status to a new status. I mean, it's in our everyday lives and can be anywhere on the spectrum from good to bad change. We grow up experiencing these events from learning to walk, a change from crawling, to starting our first job, or learning how to be in a romantic or sexual relationship for the first time. These mostly sound like good growth type change, but there's also the scary stuff like moving to a new unknown town or bad change like mourning the loss of a relationship. This is actually a big one for me, especially when it's in the process of transition because it's potentially such an emotional time. This is a time when you feel like your heart is ripped out of your chest and the flood of memories try to wash away the reason for a relationship's dissolution. After a time of mourning, though, that's when the learning and the growth happens, which is cool. Right. That's often when you get the chance to reflect on how things could have been done differently, and you can utilize the skill of hindsight to see what needed to change and possible solutions on how those could have improved your situation. This is experience, and if you've played many RPGs or video <laughs> games, you realize more experience is a good thing. Right. Now, if we take the time to sit back and look at how change, good or bad or in between, affects us, it seems to always come back to kind of three key factors, at least according to Adam Dacus again in his Why You're So Afraid of Change Lifehacker.com article. So the first key factor is the situation itself. Like what? Well, like what? Let's see, the moving to a new town example, okay. right? Yeah. So maybe you've got a, a job that you're moving for. And your outside circumstance is the lease on your place is up. You've got this new job to go to in a new town. you got to set up new utilities. You have to set everything up, turn off the old ones. That's all the outside circumstance around you. Okay. Then the second one is our mood or temperament. So, Like how we see things. Yeah. Well, whatever we're going through at the time. Maybe we're going through a horrible breakup. If we're moving to this new town for a new job and we're also going through a breakup, maybe we're not in the most chipper of moods. And that's going to affect how we handle or look at the change in our life. It kind of reminds me of the teenager trope in a lot of movies and TV shows where for some reason, as part of the plot line, the family moves to a new town mm -hmm. and the teenager, you know, is going to miss all their friends and they're going to miss their school. I mean, I don't know many teenagers that miss their school, right, but right. we'll go with it. <laughs> and then so as they're going along in the, in the plot device in the story, they're cranky and they're moody. Mm -hmm. They have a really bad outlook. They're like, why did I have to leave all my friends? This sucks. Mom and dad, you suck. <laughs> so, I, okay, I get that. Yeah. And I mean, opposite way too. Maybe you've got a love interest in the new town and for whatever, you're just super excited. You're happy and joyous about this new job and all the new adventures that come mm -hmm. with the new place. And if your mood and temperament is on that positive side of things, looking forward to it, then the way the change affects us is going to be positive. Okay. And finally, how others may affect us. And I think that might come into play with like, maybe your family doesn't support this move or coworkers that you're leaving are really pissed off at you for leaving them shorthanded. Or if we take it to a different example, mm -hmm. 
is maybe you are going to come out as Polly to your family. Mm-hmm. And so your family's reaction is going to affect what this change is or affect how you feel about this change. Yeah, absolutely. And so the fear of whether it's bad or not is going to really drive how you come out or where you come out. Yeah, you might be really excited about coming out. And sure, you're a little nervous, but the circumstance around you, like maybe your community is really supportive and you're excited to go to Pride and all these things. And, you know, that improves your mood. So your temperament is really good. So all the changes sounding really positive. Then you come out to your family. They have this horribly negative reaction, say awful, horrible, mean things. And now it drops your mood and all that excitement might go away. And now the change becomes more on the bad side of the spectrum. So as you're going into this, your fear, the, the change is your fear of how they might react. So I have recently developed a new partnership. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, if I'd developed this new partnership in certain circumstances that I was in, I would have seen a little bit of more fear in this coming out to my existing partners with a new partner. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't have handled new partners well back then. But now where life is and where everything is at and when I have made this new partnership, I'm excited to share it. I mean, I was open to share every time previously, but the excitement wasn't always there because of the fear of how another partner might react to me having a new partner Mm -hmm. or just how that established partner might start treating the new partner. So, you know, like even something like that, where you're opening up a change by adding a relationship. And then how does that affect your current relationships? Right. It's a big deal. And we all struggle in some ways with change. And my struggles will feel very different from yours. I think that's why we tend to set up our friend groups with people who are similar to us. That way our friend circles make us feel safe and they reinforce our beliefs, whether our beliefs are right or wrong. However, in the last 10 years or so, I've been dedicated to my own personal growth journey, and I make a conscious effort to surround myself with people who do not act, think, love, vote, or believe the same as me. So that way I can hear their voices, and they're going to differ from my own in hopes of growing and changing. I want to hear other people's backgrounds and experiences. It's hard and scary, and at times I get defensive, but I listen. And that's a great way to hear how to better grow. So we've touched on it a little bit, but what makes change so hard, Bella? Well, I mean, I would say it's rooted in being afraid. It's fear. I know it comes from a place of fear, but fear of what? Our fear of change is based on situations that we're presented with. Okay, so let's talk about some fears when it comes to change. All right. So the first one I've got, and this is a big one for me, is a fear of failure. Okay. So let's say we're talking about either situation, moving to a new town or adding a new relationship. So like I have a new meta Uh fear of failure. What if her and I don't get along? I'm not going to be a good meta. This is going to all come crashing down. It's going to be terrible all because I can't make it work. Or I'm moving to this whole new town with this whole new job. And what if I'm no good at it? And now I just uprooted my whole life and I'm going to fail at this and be a failure forever. I actually, (laughs) so I lived in Walla Walla for a long time 
and we moved out, my wife and I, to Vancouver because of work. Right. And that was, geez, like five years ago already. And I had those exact feelings. I had a job I was amazing at. I made a lot of great money at. Like, it was a little bubble of perfection in right. my world. And then we decided to move to get a change of scenery and to be more included in polyamorous communities because there's nothing like that in Walla Walla, really. And just to explore life and experience new things. Right. But we had to work. So when we came over, my one of my biggest fears was, what if I don't find a job? Or what if I don't get paid nearly what I was getting paid before? Or what if I find a job and I'm just terrible at it? Yeah. And that kind of happened. Like, I don't make as much as I used to. I worked for another company within my industry, and it was a different style of, it was plastic molding. Yeah. And it was a different way of plastic molding with different, with different, I, I guess, recipes. You'd have to understand plastic molding a little bit to get that. And I just wasn't doing so hot at this job. Mm. Like, their conveyor system was messed up or not that great. I was used to a large corporation that comes in and puts in these beautiful conveyor systems right. and, these, and these wonderful palletizers. And this place was more of a startup. And so their stuff was like, you know, thrift store bought mm -hmm. more or less. And, and it just was all less than standard. Yeah. And it was tough for me to handle it. So I actually didn't do well at that job and had to transition to a different job. Right. So I did fail. All those fears did come true. And I'm still alive. Right. And everything's still okay. <laughs> yeah. So I guess one of the fears I would talk about is pain or discomfort and effort. I mean, it's beyond just physical pain. I mean, that could be one thing. You, you could change by wanting to skydive because you want to have a new experience. But that discomfort of the chute not opening and you landing on the ground oh. is painful. Oh. No, no. <laughs> but emotional as well. Like a new relationship. Mm -hmm. You're afraid of getting your heart broken. Or you're afraid of causing issues between partners. Like, say, I go with this new partner. I don't want you to feel left out. I don't want you to experience pain or discomfort right. with me being with somebody else. And alternatively, if you went out, I would be afraid of my own pain and discomfort with, oh, man, what if she's out with this person and is super happy? And maybe the sex is phenomenal. And, <laughs> you know, like yeah. all of these things. That's pain and discomfort. Totally. And that's one of the things that makes us afraid to change and afraid to grow. Mm -hmm. Now, on the opposite of my other side, uh, there's also fear of success, which I think is a funny one. And honestly, I think this affects me in my weight loss journey. Okay. What if I hit my goal? I've been, I don't know, overweight now for like 15 years or something. What if I hit my goal and life isn't as beautifully perfect as I imagine it is. What if I am successful, but I can still no longer be the athlete that I think I am or that I was. So I can be successful and that's a good change, but I'm a little afraid of it because it's unknown and I don't know the what ifs. Like what comes next? Yeah. Or what if all of my dreams didn't become reality after that success? That's pretty. Or what if they do become reality? And you have to go back to playing soccer? Well, just all, all the pressure that comes with that. Like, what if, what if everything does become real? Like, what's next? What, 
what can my next goals be if I've reached all my goals? I see. You know, I've heard Rachel Hollis talk about it when it was on her list to become a New York Times bestselling author. And then she hit that goal. And then it was like, well, shit, now what? Like, I got to reach higher? Like, I don't know how to do that. That's (laughs) almost a fear of success. Okay, that I understand that. I get that. So then somewhat related to that is also fear of criticism. Oh, I don't do well with criticism. (laughs) You know, one of the things that's really difficult is to hear somebody who's outside of your brain, meaning another person, tell you something that says this wasn't good enough or you didn't do that right or that's not how you do this. Right. So the criticism, or even like if it's severe criticism, you were stupid shit. (laughs) (laughs) Those things aren't easy to hear. And that, that attacks as we personalize it, that attacks your ego. Right. That reaffirms your fear that your inner monologue is right. I am a stupid shit. I've been saying it for years. This person finally said it and validated those negative feelings I have. And that's that's a lot of where this fear of criticism yeah. becomes so paralyzing. Well, and then that in turn causes you to not want to make change. Oh, yeah. Don't make change. People are going to criticize me. I'm afraid of that. It's all a big cascading effect. I don't want people to think I'm a stupid shit. Right. Or I don't want people to confirm I'm a stupid mm-hmm. shit. Like that's hard to deal with because it isn't. I mean, like in some ways it is that you don't want someone saying bad things about you because you want people to like you. But in some ways it's also that you don't want people saying bad things about you because you might be afraid that the things that they're saying reaffirms the things you've been telling yourself for a long time. Right. So, for example, it has really been you and I for quite a while. Let's say, so there at one point was some, like, imposter syndrome stuff going on. Man, we talk on this podcast about being poly. We run poly groups. We know we're poly, but right now we look very monogamous. And maybe we're getting criticized from the outside. And then let's say you pick up another partner. And let's say I pick up another partner. But we're afraid of the change in the dynamic to our relationship. Because if it fails, or if we get criticized, let's say it fails and falls apart, then we're going to get criticism from the outsiders. And that's going to reaffirm our thought process of we are just imposters. We can't do poly. We don't know what we're doing. What's happening here? Right. All of that thought process there can add to, I don't want a new partner because that's change and it could totally go bad. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had that fear. I haven't had that worry about No, I really haven't either. I'm always looking forward to (laughs) new adventures with somebody. New people. So, like, I'm not always looking forward to a new partner. That sounds a bit, like, disingenuine. No, but you like new people in your life in general. I do. So the last fear that kind of affects us wanting to change is, and I mentioned it earlier, is the fear of the new and the unknown. And that, to me, goes along with a lot of these. Fear of the new and unknown. I won't eat... My anxiety kicks up real high. Even going to, like, a new bar or a new club if I haven't been there before. It's funny that you use that because the first thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about this is... Where is my fear of the new most present? It's whenever you take me to sushi. (laughs) 
and something comes along on a little plate on the conveyor, and I'm like, what the hell is that? But you always go push past it, and you always try at least one new dish when we go. It's because change is good. I struggle if I don't know what the parking situation looks like. I'm not sure if I'm going to know anybody there. Oh, my anxiety gets me. And this could be the greatest, best bar club ever. And I'm not going to experience it because I'm afraid of going by myself to a new and unknown place where I just don't know what's on the other side of the curtain. Huh. It'll even stop me sometimes from going over to a new partner's house where I'm like, oh, I don't know. So I'm not going to go. And that's a scary change. When really, it could be the best thing ever. I actually used to have that issue quite a bit. And then you go there, and you're all rigid, and you're <laughs> trying to have... Okay, not you. Me. <laughs> I'm all rigid. I try to have manners, but I come off as, like, aloof. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I'm too good to sit on your couch. When I'm just like, I don't know if I should sit or if I should stand. Like, <laughs> what's the protocol I should... I just make it awkward. Right. And then I got tired of that. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to go in like I own the place. Like, I'm not going to raid the fridge or put my dirty shoes on the coffee table. <laughs> but I'm going to go in feeling comfortable and, yeah. and knowing that the worst that could happen is we can hang out. They could ask me to leave and I can go home. Yeah. Fear of the new and the unknown is a real big one for me, for sure. Fear is going to show up every time we're growing or challenging the current status. Many of us think fear is a sign of danger, and that if we feel any kind of fear, it must mean something bad is about to happen, and we should try to avoid it. And that typically comes from our ancient lizard brain that was programmed to protect us from danger and to simply survive. But fear can also be a signal to a window of opportunity, that it's open in front of us and ready for us to come through. Perhaps it's the new job opportunity, or new relationship, or maybe it's a shift in society and change is happening. In a lot of ways, it's the fear of the unknown and how that change will affect us on a personal level. To that extent, I would say a good portion of fear is ego-driven. Definitely ego-driven. I like where a lot of our conversations have gone because the more that we've been together and the more that we've talked on this podcast, the more like the discussion of ego is shared with us. Dude, ego's in everything. It really is. <laughs> And it's something I've felt strongly about for a long time. And in, the more we talk about it, the more I feel like you understand me. And in, also that you share my opinions or feelings about it. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool. Like, I just wanted to gush for one little Aww. sec about how it's neat that that we can, we can resonate with some of these feelings and understand where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. But back on track. Our ego does play a big role in why we get so defensive when it comes to change. Maybe we could talk about a few ways to overcome your ego and let things go. Charlene Berry's article on addictedtosuccess.com has a bit of great information on doing this. Yeah, I was just going to mention that website too. Seems only right to share some of it here, seeing that we were both thinking about it. Oh, look at that. I know, we're on the same page. Again. <laughs> So first off, when it comes to kind of setting our ego aside, don't be offended. Yeah. And that's so hard. So hard. It's even in, uh, what, are, what are the four agreements? Yeah, those. Isn't it kind of don't take things personal? I think mm. there's an offended one in there. 
But I mean, if you're looking for reasons to be offended, you're going to find them every few minutes. Being offended creates destructive energy, leading to a never-ending series of attacks and counterattacks. Of course, you should still be offended by the many horrific things that happen in this world, but by not letting your ego constantly complain about the small things, you will learn to truly focus on things that are really important and affect all of us dramatically as a group and as individuals. Poverty, wars, the environment, etc. Right. Another thing is to get rid of the need to win and be right. Now, I could speak very personally on this one (laughs) because a lot of my early adult life, I had that desire really hard, is I needed to win the argument. I needed to be right. I would fact check everything. But that's because at that time in my life, 20 years ago, my ego was a whole lot different than it is now. Yeah. So the need to win is a never-ending rat race that will never allow you to step aside and reflect on your own actions. You can't win all the time, and you need to let go the need for recognition. And that's so hard for me. Right. That's my sports side. I haven't seen that at all. (sighs) But, and that's one of the things that I did. Like, I I realized that sometimes it wasn't as important to be right as it was to learn how to grow. Yeah. And because of acknowledging this, there are times where I feel very strongly that I'm right about something. I don't need to fight my fight. I don't need to, I don't need to prove I'm right. I don't need to, because I might not be. And the more I listen, the more I can learn on why I might not be right and why there's no need to win. Because for me, not being a sports ball fan, (laughs) I don't, I don't need that winning point. I just want to have a good game. Yeah. So I don't want to win. I want to remember the game. I want to have those memories of the fun of the game. Yeah. So, and in life, I don't want to win at all costs. I want to have the memories of living life in the moment. Well, and see, I think that's where I was raised in the sports ball. And so I craved the recognition, right? I also grew up in a time where you didn't get trophies for just participating. You actually had to earn the trophies. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, running for team captain and I wanted a, another letter on my jacket. And I wanted everyone to know everything I did and that I was the best on the field. And I was going to the Olympics and you weren't. Neener, neener. Not in that kind of a mean way, but more or less, I needed people to recognize that I had put in all this hard work and effort. Someone give me a pat on the back. Right. And I think that actually led to why I'm so extrinsically motivated as an adult. Because as a kid, that's how I got all my motivation was from everybody telling me I did good. Right, right. So the third way to kind of overcome your ego is to first overcome the need to feel superior. Improving has nothing to do with being better than others. True. Improving is all about being better than you were yesterday or five minutes ago. Focusing on your inner growth, being constantly aware that no one is better than anyone else on the planet will really help you to kind of overcome your ego a little bit. Yeah, and I can take that back to sports ball. Like, I got really into martial arts. Mm-hmm. I have trained in martial arts since I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have black belts. I am an instructor. My goal in martial arts versus what my goal might have been in a football team. Mm -hmm. 
in a football team, we want to win the trophy. We want to win the championship. With the martial arts, I just wanted to do better than I did yesterday. Yeah. Like, this was a competition against myself for the betterment of myself. And then for me, that sort of thing shaped a lot of how I work and interact with people because I don't have that need to one-up everyone all Mm -hmm. the time. I I just want to be better than what I was before. Yeah. And that's another way that helped me learn to grow. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, if you take it to relationships, trying to feel super, I'm the better meta, I'm the better partner, you know, it's goes back to hierarchical toxic relationships. Yeah. Um, But if you can really overcome that, it'll sidestep your ego a little bit. Yeah, definitely. To attach to that in some way, because I just talked about how I was competing with myself. I was trying to be better than myself and that sort of thing. The next one that we'd want to talk about is the overcome for the need for more. Like a gluttonous thing? I need more. Right. The ego is never satiated. It doesn't matter how much you have. Your ego will keep on asking for more. It's never enough, and you will be trapped. Like where I was in the martial arts. I trained enough to feel good about who I am and to see the progress in my growth and my changes. Mm -hmm. But if I wanted to take that to an extreme degree, then I'm just going to train nonstop and I'm going to do nonstop. And I'm going to, and like every time I got a belt in this style, Oh, that's not enough. Now I need to go conquer a belt in this style. Mm -hmm. And then that's not enough. Now I need, you know, and take on the karate kid. Yeah, it gets to a point where it's no longer about personal improvement. It's about an obsessive need for uber success. Yeah. And that's... Well, that kind of leads me... Probably damaging. (laughs) Yeah, that definitely leads me into this last one here, which is overcoming the need for accomplishments. And that also goes with... Oh, yeah. uh Aha, right? (laughs) (laughs) It goes with a few of them that we've talked about. I mean, the the reputation that you identify yourself with is located in the minds of others. It's an illusion, and it shouldn't control you. If you talk to 30 different people, all 30 are going to have different opinions. So if you're relying on them for what you consider your accomplishments, it's not going to work. (laughs) I don't know. It's gone. It is gone. It sounded gone. Can we elaborate on that one, or do you think that's No, good? no, that's, I mean, that's what I got. Okay. <laughs> so we have talked a lot about change, fear, and ego, which has hopefully given you lots of tips and ideas on what you can do to overcome your ego, to move past your fears of change. Something which helps me exercise my adaptability for growth and my openness to change comes from Edward Hess a professor of management at the University of Virginia's Darden Graduate School of Business and the author of Learn or Die. Like him, I believe that in the age of smart machines, our intelligence can help us advance, but our ego can sink us. To help counteract this, every day I do as he suggests and grade myself on my ego. He says your ego to-do list should contain some of these things. Yeah, and we don't need to go through everything necessarily, but there's a few kind of checklist items that he mentions. Yeah. So, like, as an example, don't interrupt others. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Also, really focus on understanding the other person. For me, a good way of doing that is 
remembering that when they're talking, I'm listening to hear what they're having to say. I want to understand where they're coming from and how they feel about a situation. And I think we talk about this in a little bit, but I try to avoid building a reply. Like, oh, they said this, I'm going to key point this and I'm going to reply to that. Right. I want to hear their whole story. I want to hear their whole thing. Right. And then I process and then I discuss. Right. And all of these things are to keep our ego in check, which then allows us to keep our fear in check, making room for change in our life. And so I also want to mention um, if we can suspend our judgment, you know, whether someone's telling us a story about their day or how they met their new partner, maybe we don't agree with it, Mm -hmm. but really suspend your judgment while you're listening to them. And like you said a minute ago, don't think about your response while the other person is still talking. One of the things on this list that I also try to do is to not automatically advocate my views in my first response. Okay. My thought process behind this is you tell me that, so we're at the store and we're shopping and I kind of want to get the pumpkin pie and you want to get apple pie. I do love apple pie. So we're having a discussion about it and I might say, hey, I think I'm going to pick this up. And you're like, well, we can only get one, and I'd really rather get this. And this is a part where you start talking about what your needs and your wants are Mm -hmm. and your experience. Maybe you had a a vomitous episode with pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie now triggers me because of the vomiting episode. (laughs) Right. And and you can't have it, and so you'd hate to miss out on pie. (laughs) Yeah. So my first response after hearing you shouldn't be, well, my views on pumpkin pie are this and this and this. Right. I mean, like, what what this is basically saying is when you don't automatically advocate your, your views, it gives you the room and the space to say, you know, like, I, I'm hearing you and I'm listening and I see what you're saying about the pumpkin pie. And, you know, try to engage in something that goes beyond just saying in opposition you say that you had this bad experience with pumpkin pie and you say, but I always get pumpkin pie. <laughs> well, it's the same thing in, in a relationship argument. No matter what the topic is, person A is going to be like, well, blah, 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 blah. And then person B is going to turn around and be like, yeah, but you did blah, 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 blah. It's almost like the back and forth finger pointing. Yeah. 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 And really, like, if you think about that scenario that you just gave is... Maybe I want to date this new person and you have kind of a strong feeling about that person based on, I don't know, something you heard in the community or something you read on Facebook or something. If you open up with, I don't think you should date that person because of this. If that's the first thing that you respond with, that's where some of the defensive feeling comes from. Mm -hmm. And that creates that almost friction. Like, yeah, well, oh, now it's all about what you want. Yeah, right. I was just going to say, it's shifting it off of you telling me about this partner that you're excited about and you want to see to, well, fuck whatever you want to do and see. Let's talk about my feelings on it. And that's that ego pulling it off of you and putting it on me. Right. And if you can do this not automatically advocating your fuse in your first response, you are giving your space to also suspend judgment of this yep. person. Okay, well, let's see how it goes. See if maybe I was wrong. Mm-hmm. See if... There's some good here, or maybe just 
he's attracted to this person where I'm not attracted to that quality. It gives right. him a chance to open and grow. I didn't mean for that to be so long. <laughs> uh, ask questions to make sure you understand the other person, which yeah. would be right up here with not advocating. I tell you on a go with this new partner, your first thought might be like, mm, I don't like that that person goes to this store that I like to go to and I don't want to have to see my meta there. Whatever. You could say, okay, well, what is it that, that attracts you to this That person? was the question I was just going to think of and say as an example. Okay, so why don't you ask me some other ones then? Oh, no. But uh, that was my thought. <laughs> you took the thought. Now you want me to think more? <laughs> oh, I'm glad I got that recorded. <laughs> That's going to be my ringtone. <laughs> Anytime you call, you, you want, want me, me to, to think, think more? <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I mean... If my first thought to you telling me something exciting and good, and my first thought is, uh, for whatever reason, like, I don't like this person or I'm not sure. And if I can counteract that with something more along the lines of, yay for you, like, what do you love about that person? Or what are you really looking forward to? Or something along those lines. It'll not only shift your reaction, but it'll shift my mood and again, takes my ego bullshit out of the equation. Yeah, it really does. So another way to check your ego is to also paraphrase what the other person said to make sure you heard them correctly. So if you're asking questions and trying to get excited and show the other person that you're listening to them, maybe you didn't quite understand what they said and paraphrase it. And Am I hearing you right when I hear you say blah, blah, blah? Yeah, but maybe not start it with am I hearing you right? Because that sounds... Does it? Yeah. So like you tell me that you're going to go on a date with so-and-so to blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, am I hearing you right? <laughs> well, don't do it with that face. <laughs> the only face don't, I've got. Don't hit him and be like, more like, am I hearing you right when you say blah, 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 blah? Yeah, okay. Not, am I hearing you It's supposed to be along the lines of, what's the English stuff you learn? Language? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's like, um, what I'm hearing you say is la 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 la. It's, it's the questions I'm trying to verify that I understand your context. Yeah. Yeah. Not in a shitty way. <laughs> you... To wrap it all up, you really try to understand the reasons that the other person believes what they believe. So if they believe this new partner's better than sliced bread, that's great. Like, ask follow-up questions, paraphrase what they've said, uh, don't interrupt them, focus on understanding them, all the things we just said, to remove your ego, to allow for that fear of the change to dissipate. Yep. Which is... <clears throat> yep. <laughs> So in the number of the polyamorous or the ethically non-monogamous or all these other open relationship groups that I'm mm -hmm. in, you know, a lot of the same questions get asked by new people or whatever. And one of the ones that I think about the most just happened the other day before we even decided to talk about change. Mm -hmm. 
And it was something that came and went. I forgot about it. But as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm reminded of it. And I don't remember what group or I'm not going to go back and look for it because I don't even know where to start. But basically, this couple comes into open relationships Mm -hmm. and they decide, obviously, to open their relationship. Mm -hmm. And one partner, like they're all on board and they're both excited and they talk about it a lot. And then it comes down and one partner finally gets the date. Mm -hmm. And the other partner is taken to going online and posting questions because now they're struggling with this fear. Yeah. Like, what if this partner is going to like that person better? What if the sex is better? What if the NRE is just too much to handle? What if? What if? What if? And I've seen multiple different variations of this. And it takes you back to when, it takes me back to when I was first opening up my relationship. I felt those things too. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen I'm totally cool with having multiple partners and yeah, let's get it all and giggity giggity, right? (laughs) (laughs) But what if my other partner wants another partner outside of me? Oh, I don't know how I can handle that. And that seems so scary. And what if it's really tough? And this is one of the big changes in whatever your open relationship configuration is. That's one of the major obstacles to overcome. Yeah. And that's where stuff talked about in this episode could really help out in those conversations. Well, I mean, it's pretty natural when you first start talking about, let's open our relationship. Automatically, we think about us, ourselves, right? I'm going to think about me. Oh, man, could I, could I handle having two partners? That's a lot of, you know, energy to put into multiple people. And that's our ego, right? We're focused on ourselves. And then the day comes where, oh, shit, now I have to think about, can I handle my other partner having a partner? I was so focused on me, and if I could do it, I didn't even think about how I could handle them falling in love with someone else. Yeah, that's That's, usually how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So then we see these posts where they're like, yeah, we had all these conversations about our boundaries and how we're ethically going to do this, and we're not going to unicorn hunt, and we're going to date separately, and all these things. But they never actually talked about feelings that could come up on the other side. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, and another aspect of that, like almost... The opening up insecure feelings 201 is that maybe they've even done the swinging already Mm -hmm. where they're in the same room and they're doing the partner swap thing. And that's all good because they're still there together. They can still make eye contact. They can still reassure. Right. So that's all fine. But it's when the partner gets intimate with someone else and you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. I think oh God. that's that's where the super struggle hits, mm-hmm. right in the solar plexus. It's like knocks all the wind out of your sail. You yeah, know? I'm going to be sitting home alone, eating my mac and cheese and watching true crime while you go out on this fantastic adventure with this new person and I'm totally not involved. Now what? How do I feel about this? I bet they're fucking right now. They are. They're they're probably fucking on the mini golf course. Oh, oh, oh bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, at the end of each day with all these things we just talked about, you just want to evaluate kind of in your head or on paper if you really want to write it all down, but how you fared. How well did you set your ego aside today? Was it a pretty good ego day? <laughs> then you're probably more receptive to change. 
One of the things that helps me is one of my favorite memes. Yeah. But did you die? <laughs> but I, my feelings were really hurt and I was really upset and it was awful and horrible. But did you die? <laughs> no. So I have a question. Yeah. So tell me about some happy, good, positive change that's going on in your life. Well, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, I have a new partner. Yeah, I know. Developed a new long distance relationship. I know, because I just bought her a baseball cap and it matches the one that I got for me. And I'm pretty sure she's going to bedazzle hers. And now I'm not sure who's in the relationship with who. It's cute. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) She also bought you a couple of gifts that you just got in the mail. Oh my God, a serial killer coloring book. And then this like Trolls World Tour, like kid word puzzle type workbook. It's pretty cute. Further not sure who's in what relationship. <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to, when the weather gets better, she wants to come help me, like, make more troll village, our gnome village in the backyard. We're going to do, like, the, the rocks for the, the blue rocks for rivers and white rocks, and we're going to do things. So one new change for me is getting into a long-distance relationship that I have then basically just handed off to my partner... <laughs> So that was changed, and that was That's unexpected. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> okay, your new partner. <laughs> Good change. Oh, it's been great change. I am really enjoying where we're at and what's going on. Well, I mean, this isn't your first long distance relationship, but it's different. So it's a change. From the last time you did it. And so I'm assuming you learned things from doing long distance before. Oh, yeah, certainly. And, you know, being in a different place does things for you as well. A different place meaning like mentally or Mentally, emotionally. emotionally, uh, Maybe even spiritually in a way. So there's some change with how I plan on negotiating this relationship. There's been change in who I am as a person even from a year ago. And there's, you know, just geographical changes, like the direction of travel to see this partner or to have this partner see me or even things like that. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of potential for excitement. And we've already got a bunch of things like tentatively planned yeah. to do once Corona opens up and we can start actually spending a decent amount of quality time together. Nice. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. What about you? I think for me, some of the biggest change right now is, yes, talking to... (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what are we looking at? (laughs) I just got rickrolled with a finger. (laughs) I think for me, some of the new change that's going on is I'm trying really hard to build deeper connections. So whether it's romantic and I do have someone that I'm talking to that might turn into a romantic thing, but I'm trying to build stuff on a deeper level, even with friendships. And I think I really had to put my ego aside with some of that. I've been told a few times recently that I'm hard to get to know. I think that's weird, but apparently it's a thing. I got to know you piece of cake right away. Yeah, I I think I'm pretty open but apparently some people are struggling to get to know me. So I'm trying to make myself more available. 
I'm trying to let my guard and my walls down a little bit more and just really connect with people on a deeper level. And so, Like think, my partner, your new meta. I know. It's, oh, I got crumbs in my boobs. That's great. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be more open and... Okay, so let's let's talk about that a little because on one hand, like I said, I got to know you super fantastic. Mm-hmm. I knew your kinks within five days, <laughs> mostly because you volunteered the information. But I can see where there was a time where people did have a harder time getting to know you, and people may currently still have a harder time getting to know you. So if we're talking about change and we're talking about fear and we're talking about ego, why might that be? I have my opinions, but I'm curious if you have something. Well, I mean, I can tell you, like, I think why my walls are up and everything. It's just fears of being hurt again, mm-hmm. let let down, opening myself up to just be, have my heart ripped out, stomped on the floor. So, you know, I'm a little more guarded in things. Yeah. But I think that's my ego trying to protect me. Yep. I feel like you nailed it. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> That's exactly what I was Oh, saying. good. I was right. Because I've, I've watched you just in the three and a half years that we've been together. Mm-hmm. And I've watched you go through some really hard changes in your life. And I've watched you have to let go of relationships that weren't working anymore. Relationships that were intimate or friendships mm-hmm. or however you want to define them. And I think the friendships are what hurt more, too. Yeah. And so it's a natural thing for us to feel like we're getting hurt by people to say, I don't want people to hurt us anymore. And then that's your fear and that's your ego. And so you're going to construct defenses like mm-hmm. what we talked about way in the beginning of the episode. Right. And I think that a lot of that had happened in your life. And I know that a lot of that's happened also in my life. And so I can see how it's a little more difficult but like what you were just talking about, what you're working on is trying to making more solid, meaningful, deeper relationships. That's your way of saying, okay, I know I'm afraid of this and I've got to check my ego because what I really want is on the other side of this growth spurt. What I really want is on the other side of this change. Yeah. And I'm never going to get there if I don't make myself uncomfortable. And I have seen you trying really hard to open up and to let those walls down and to try to listen and learn from people so that you can grow, so that you can reach that sun that you want to grow towards. And I think it's really cool to watch. I do struggle sometimes still with knowing how to open up more because I feel like, sure, I might have my defenses up, but I want to connect. It's that how, like, am I just supposed to... Every time I feel something, text these friends and be like, oh my God, I just have to tell you this feeling that I'm having. Is that opening up? Is, is that being closer? Like, what is it? I What action do I have to take yeah. to build a deeper connection, to show my vulnerability? Those That's where I'm still struggling, but I'm excited about it. I think some of that, I'm going to interject my views on that. Yeah. I'm going to do the exact opposite of what I mentioned earlier. <laughs> But when I think about that sort of thing, a couple of things come to mind. First off, you need to be able to be comfortable with your own level of vulnerability with somebody. Mm -hmm. And being vulnerable to somebody 
because you feel obligated to do that for them so that they can learn you better kind of puts you in a spot where you're being pressured to do something you're not comfortable with doing. Yeah. And I don't know that that's entirely a fair thing to expect from you by another person. Right. You're going to be vulnerable in ways that you most genuinely express yourself when you're ready to do that. And in my views, that's when the friendship is most natural and the most organic. Because then that's also saying that the other person that expects you to be vulnerable with them is also respecting you enough to be patient and let you do things how you need to do. Right. So it's not, they're acknowledging that it's not just about them either. They have expectations and they might voice that to you. But they might also say, I understand that you're going to do that when you're ready. And I'm here for that. And so it's a mutual thing where you're both putting your ego to the side so that you both can grow organically. And if that means that you're growing toward each other or together, then it was meant to happen. But if it's being forced by imposing right. expectations, the imposing of expectations also diminishes the respect, yeah. which isn't fruitful for the growth of a friendship. Right. So, in my opinion, do it at your own speed and be comfortable with that. And the people that would respect you are totally cool with you doing that. And those are the people you want to grow towards. Right. Well, that's my exciting changes going on. Perfect. I think those are great changes. Yeah. So, to bring it back to before sharing our things, <laughs> what we talked about were great tools for opening communication for the sake of learning rather than an attempt to respond. And they go a long way toward adapting to and embracing the change which will come into your life. Because change isn't an if possibility, it is a will reality. Overall, we like to see change as a good thing. Even the hard change. Especially the hard change. Our fears and ego get in the way sometimes, but if we can overcome those hurdles, there are so many adventures waiting on the other side of change. There's so much greatness which happens after we grow. Relationships come and they go. People come into your life and some leave. The common thought about change is there are only two constants, taxes and death. These days, I'm not sure about the longevity of our taxation system, and I know that I've already died. <laughs> so I guess I try to remember I'm open to even the biggest changes in life and look forward to what my growth brings. Well, I haven't died, so the verdict is kind of out on that one for me. <laughs> but I'm open to change and look forward to ways I can grow for myself and by result for my partners, family, and friends, and also for my community. I don't always like the struggle attached to it, but I do love the feelings of growth and seeing how much deeper I can connect with myself and others as a result of change. Yeah, and in the many discussions Bella and I have been involved in over this last week, both with each other and with others, we agree that change is necessary. Of course, the change in the way which is happening on a global scale, and also a need for change in our more personal life. We've spent over a year working on this podcast and have also been working on a number of other projects which have given us a fullness that we love. Yeah. Due to many factors in our life, we know in order for us to grow mindfully, 
We need to be open and aware of the different aspects of our life trying to get us to reach. So, with that said, we plan to take a short break from podcasting to put our energy where it is needed in our immediate world, and then take time to focus on our direction for the benefit of each other, for the world around us, and for you, our Polyam fam. Yeah, and thank you so much for listening to this and to every episode we've put out. You are our people, and we love you all so much. We stand with you in solidarity and hope you will be patient with us through our own metamorphosis. Yeah, and hopefully you'll still be here when we come out of our cocoon so we can all fly together really soon. Absolutely. And to keep you updated on our Talk Your Poly Off and what comes next, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. You can also bookmark our website, ilovepoly.org, and can follow us on Instagram at Talk Your Poly Off. Or maybe if Facebook is more your thing, like our page for updates. The page is called Polyamory. Get your heart on. And this isn't a goodbye. No, not in the slightest. No, it's not a goodbye. And it's just, we will see you very soon. See you later. So thank you, Polyam fam, for being with us on this portion of our journey. And we will talk with you very soon. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsina. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepolly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam. Live like there's no tomorrow. Laugh until it hurts. And and love love without without limits. limits.